calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. The Church of England as an institutional investor. How is the Church of England an institutional investor and how does it reflect its Christian values in the investment decision-making process? This is the topic of our interview. I'm Osman Hayat from CFA Institute, and we are joined today by Edward Mason, who's the secretary to the Ethical Investment Advisory Group of the Church of England. Welcome, Edward. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. So how is the Church of England an institutional investor, and how much assets it does it have under management? Well, the Church of England has a mixture of endowment and pension fund assets, so that's how we come about being an institutional investor. Uh, the Church of England has had an endowment uh, for a couple of centuries now, actually, and that's been built up uh, over the years through uh, pension fund uh, contributions as well. So altogether, the assets of the Church of England national investing bodies are just over £8 billion sterling, uh, split across three different investing bodies. Interesting. So that's a sizable, uh, sizable assets. So tell us, uh, what are some of the key values that you consider uh, in the investment decision-making process, going beyond the economic value proposition, the moral yeah. values? Yeah. I mean, the economic value proposition is, is very important to us, clearly. We're, we're major institutional investors. Uh, we have funding liabilities to the church, and we also have pensions that, that need to be paid. But at the same time, we try to reflect the whole range of Christian values, actually, in how we go about this institutional investment. So this can be quite specific Christian injunctions, you know, like, you know, you, you're not to kill, uh, for example, which we reflect in uh, the defence and tobacco policies that we operate, to much more complicated biblical and theological uh, concepts like uh, you know, treating other people as you'd expect to be treated yourself, uh, stewardship of, of creation and so on, which you know, we reflect in terms of, um, kind of how we expect companies to behave generally, uh, how we approach environmental issues, for example. Uh, very interesting. So tell us the institutional arrangements you've put into place mm. to reflect these values in the actual investment decision-making process. Yes, well, as I say, there are, there are three uh, institutional investors, uh, the Church Commissioners, Church of England Pensions Board, and a suite of funds called the CBF Church of England Funds for individual parts of the church. And they all operate to a common ethical investment policy. And uh, the policy is advised by a group called the Ethical Investment Advisory Group. And that's the group that I'm the, the secretary of, uh, as you mentioned. Uh, and the, the purpose of the group is to offer independent expert advice to the national investing bodies. And it's very carefully crafted to be able to do its job. So uh, to cover the issue of independence, uh, only non-executives on the Ethical Investment Advisory Group uh, can actually vote. In terms of expertise, we've got a very wide range of people on the group. So, for example, we have uh, one of the country's leading biblical scholars. He's the professor of biblical interpretation at King's College London. 
Uh, and then on the business end of the spectrum, we've got a former chief executive of a FTSE 100 company, uh, Aviva. So the independence and the, the expertise are extremely important. Uh, at, the, at the same time, uh, we have to reflect the stakeholders in the church. So membership is also drawn from different bodies in the church, the General Synod, which is the church's uh, parliament in effect, uh, also the Archbishop's Council, which is kind of the central policy-making uh, body of the church, um, and mission and public affairs, which is our, our public affairs uh, arm. So again, it's specifically designed to reflect uh, the beneficiaries of the, of the funds. And then finally, the group is designed so that it can operate in a fiduciary investment context. So each of the investing bodies appoints a trustee to be a representative on the body, and they are one of the non-executives, so they can vote. Uh, and staff of the national investing bodies are also represented on the group so that they can input uh, their views and, and how decisions and advice might affect uh, investment uh, in practical ways. But they're not allowed to vote, but they're present so that they can be party to the discussions. Okay. So we've talked about uh, uh, how is Church of England and institutional investor the organizational arrangements you have put in place and the model values. Mm. Now let's talk about the specifics. How do these model values get reflected in mm. the investment decision-making process? What exactly is it that you do? Mm. Uh, well, there are different uh, techniques that we use. Uh, so we use uh, negative screening. Uh, we also uh, engage uh, with companies. And there is some uh, positive alignment as well. So I'd be very happy to, to talk about those in turn. Uh, Great. If, if so let's like. take an example of each, starting with negative mm. screening. Mm. So what sort of companies would you screen? And if you can link this to the model values. Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the basic screens that we operate are on uh, military supplies and services, tobacco, gambling, pornography, uh, high interest rate lending. So those are the, the basic screens that we operate. Uh, and all our policies are uh, biblically and theologically grounded. So in each of our policies are, um, are kind of you know, developed and articulated, published on our website. So we explain our, our reasoning both for our constituents and also to inform ethical investment uh, generally. Interesting. So this was negative or exclusionary screening. Yes, yes. What about uh, engagement? Engagement has become increasingly important for us over recent years, and we put a lot of uh, effort into this. Uh, I mean, we, we very much operate in a kind of mixed ethical and responsible investment space, uh, and we've learned a lot from, from the techniques of responsible investors. And I think there's been quite a philosophical shift as well that we can actually have most impact through the areas where we do invest rather than concentrating on the things that we don't invest in. So we, we tend to see as an ethical investment advisory group on behalf of the national investing bodies something like 40 to 50 companies a year. Uh, companies that we're engaging with intensively we may see uh, more than once uh, in the course of a year. And we talk to them about a whole range of issues. Uh, recently we've talked about things like uh, banking ethics, uh, operational uh, risk and, and safety procedures in extractive industries, relations with communities, indigenous people, uh, various sustainability issues, controversies associated with, with Israel and Palestine. So a, a great range of issues that we 
conduct engagement on. And would you like to give an example of the engagement activities? Yes, of course. I mean, we're, uh, you know, we're very pleased that we are able to effect change uh, through uh, some of our engagements. Some of the time it's just a question of you know, introducing ourselves as investors to companies, expressing our values, uh, encouraging companies uh, to operate in, in an ethical way, in the way that uh, we would be supportive of as shareholders. Um, but at other times there are specific things that we're seeking uh, and we have, we have a good track record of, of achieving uh, changes that we're looking for. Uh, to give you an example, there was a, a mining company recently that we were in, engaging with. We had information from the ground in a southern African country uh, that the sulfur dioxide emissions from, from one of their smelters were causing real uh, problems with the local community, breathing difficulties, health difficulties, and so on. We talked to the company about it. They said that they were planning to make some investments, but they weren't going to do it for two or three years. We said that really wasn't what we were looking for. Um, they went away, thought about it, um, and eventually brought forward uh, the investment. There may have been other reasons for that. It's always very hard in engagement to know uh, the extent to which you've been the determinative factor. But that's one uh, example of, of kind of how change has happened on something that we were talking to a company about. There are, there are many other instances as well. Uh, we've had a major supermarket in the UK withdraw uh, white cider, which is cheap, high-strength cider, from its uh, shelves recently. And that was after we talked to them a lot about alcohol responsibility issues. So we've talked about uh, negative screening. We've mm. talked about engagement. Uh, what about positive alignment? Yeah, positive alignment is, I think, the most complicated area, actually, for institutional investors. There are a number of, of things that we can do. Uh, first of all, when we're looking to appoint investment managers, we obviously check that they can operate to our negative screens, they have the capacity to do that, uh, and they also understand uh, the, the approach and, and the kind of investors that we are. The three investing bodies are signatories to the UN principles for responsible investment. So again, as part of the um, kind of process of, of appointing managers uh, and assessing them, uh, they go through their ability to integrate ESG factors into investment processes. There are some investments that are um, kind of you know, more positively aligned. Um, for example, the church commissioners have quite a sizable mandate with generation investment management who build their whole sustainability approach around sustainability. The CBF Church of England funds have some investments in microfinance, immunisation bonds. So there are some investments of that kind. But as I said at the beginning, the returns objectives of the investing bodies are extremely important. And are there any specific challenges in positive alignment that you face as an institutional investor? Yeah, it's, it's undoubtedly a challenging area. I mean, what we seek to do as investing bodies is to appoint the best managers for the particular strategies that we're interested in. As I said before, there are, there are checks that we go about uh, when appointing managers to make sure that they're suitable. But it's, it's essential that we're able to, to generate the kind of returns that we need as investors. And I think philosophically as well, it's important for us that uh, you know, we do invest in the world as it is. Uh, it's an area where the church engages with the business community, with the economy as it is. We think we're able to effect uh, some difference uh, through our engagements. And it's extremely important to us that 
you know, we, we meet the liabilities uh, of the church, and that's an extremely important and, and worthwhile thing in itself. Yeah, absolutely. You have to take into account both the economic objectives and the moral objectives. Exactly. So going along these lines, how have these practices of negative screening, positive alignment, mm. and engagement, how have they evolved over time for the Church yeah. of England? Yeah, they, they've changed a lot. I mean, the church commissioners first, first went into equities in 1948, I think it was, and negative screening has been implemented right from the start. There have been some changes to the negative screens. For example, tab tobacco only came in when the, the health risks of tobacco uh, became clear. But it's really extremely dynamic uh, these days. There are plenty of new issues that, uh, that we deal with. Uh, for example, we've developed policies in recent years on human embryonic research, genetically modified organisms. Policies we've been looking at very recently have been executive remuneration, uh, corporate tax ethics, so some very topical issues um, around kind of the austerity kind of themes that we're seeing in, in debate today. Climate change is another issue that we've, we've developed a policy on and are also looking at again now. And th these are very complicated issues, uh, and they're not really issues for exclusions now. These are much more about engagement, about investment philosophy. So I think, I mean, these are the main ways in, in which our approach has changed. It's much more, uh, much more integrated, much more about engagement. As I said, we've learned from the responsible investment community as well. Uh, it's a very sophisticated approach. It has to be multi-asset as well, which is something that people often forget, actually, that when they think about ethical and responsible investment, they think about investment in equities uh, only. Church commissioners only have a third of their assets in equities now. We spent a lot of time recently looking at what it meant to be an ethical investor in the area of hedge funds. It's a very detailed piece of work. We've also cooperated within the PRI on that. So you know, it's a much more complex area um, for us. So we've been talking about how your moral values are reflected in your investment decision-making process. How would you comment on any effect of uh, these moral values on the economic performance? Mm. What has been your experience? Has there been mm. any effect on the performance? And if yes, what, what is it? Uh, we're very proud of the performance record that we're able to achieve, actually. The, the church commissioners measure themselves against the uh, WM uh, All Funds uh, universe and they consistently uh, beat that benchmark uh, over, over the longer term. I mean, what we find is that because we operate exclusions, there can be uh, headwinds in, in certain years when kind of market conditions uh, work against our exclusions. But over, over the longer term, uh, the investing bodies have an extremely good track record. The church commissioners have a very demanding investment objective of um, the retail price index plus plus five percent on an annualized basis and they've been able to achieve that uh, overall uh, longer term time horizons of five ten twenty years similarly the pensions board um, their return objective is is rpi plus three percent again over over ten years they've met that so i think we prove that you can be um, you know a sophisticated and conscientious ethical investor while generating the investment returns uh, that we need um, doing it in a way that our beneficiaries expect and making, making, having a positive impact as well. Okay, so finally, how would you summarize your thoughts on applying Christian values in the investment decision-making process by the Church of England? I would say it's, it's, a, very, it's a very rich uh, process. It's a really fascinating area of interaction between the church and the wider world. 
being a, a shareholder, for example, um, you know, gives you a real stake in, in economic activity. You're, you're a part owner of a company. I think it's, uh, it, it's a really exciting and important area of, of the church's engagement, and particularly with the kind of economic issues that we're, we're looking at now. It's something that the church can, can play quite a lead on. Uh, we we uh, interact and network a lot with our fellow investment peers, and it's a really exciting area to be in at the moment. Well, we hope our viewers, you've enjoyed our conversation on Church of England as an institutional investor. Edward, thank you for your time. Thank you very much. And thank you for joining us. Copyright 2013 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.